Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, my brother, John. Hey. Good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. It's Saturday morning. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, it's Refreshing. Saturday. Yeah, we had a lot, we were in the green room quite a while today. Um, yeah. We had a lot, of, really? a lot of business to cover. A lot of business to yep. cover. Yeah. But we're here now. A lot of business. We're here now. Oh, oh, hey, I just noticed. I think we've got some new listeners. So why don't I do the really? run through? You want yeah, Go I think for we it. do. Yeah. It's, a, it's a feeling, a strong feeling. So here's the deal. Uh, my brother and I are actual brothers. Now, people use that word loosely these days. But we are actual brothers, same mother, same father, being very explicit here. And I won't go any farther than that into our family tree. It is convoluted, to say the least, right, John? Gnarled. Gnarled. Gnarled would be the right word for that. <laughs> okay, but we are brothers. And yes. every Saturday morning for... A number of years now. It's getting on to be six mm. years, John. Do you realize that? Yeah, I know. I'm getting tired. <laughs> I shouldn't talk about that. No. I should not discuss the, the how many how many years. Okay. So, in any case, it's been a while, but we every Saturday morning we get together and we talk about four things. Uh, one of those things um, that we talk about is an animal story. Mm. The animal story is based on the season we're in. Yes. Our seasons are six months long. So yes. what we do every six months, we get a new animal. It's almost, I say, almost like a mascot, but it's not. It's an animal, and we delve into this animal and its story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have animal stories, and it's a season of the tiger. Tiger. It's Yeah, so we have tiger stories this season. Mm-hmm. We are in our 11th season. This is the sixth episode. Of the bro show. Yeah. Well, you're into the numbers. I like it. Hey. Six years. Six, yeah. Eleven seasons. Six episodes. All that good stuff. Six episodes. Yeah. Well, I read too many sports stats this morning <laughs> in, in getting ready for our two takes that I'm just mm. number very number, mm, number guy today. oriented. Mm. Yeah. So Tiger Story, that's kinda cool. Secondly, we have a word, because we do research for the Tiger Story. We do research for the a third segment, and we run into words, so we have a word. Third thing, we have a two takes. It's our main topic. And we don't necessarily disagree, but we sometimes do. But we yeah. always, almost always, have different ways of viewing the same thing. We would mm. be terrible witnesses, back-to-back witnesses, you know, for the defense or the prosecution in a court case, because people would say, were you guys at the same event? They would say stuff like that about us, I think. So two takes. And then last but not least, we have groaners. These are Mm. bad jokes. These are dad jokes. Right. Yeah. Last week I I came up with one. You came up with one, and you do – I say your batting average is probably around 300, which is pretty good. I think it is, too. Uh, if I were in the major leagues, uh, I would be signing a pretty good contract. You would. You would be. Uh, you'd be an all-star. Wow. Okay. That makes me feel very good. All right. So that, hey. that's it. I'll be asleep in the next twenty minutes. Go ahead. Hey, what are you wearing, by the way? Oh, yeah, I mean, of course, above the belt. Your shirt. Your shirt. Let's get. Let's get down to. Oh, okay. The brass okay, tacks okay. here. All right. All right. Well, since I don't have a whale shirt. Oh, I do have a whale shirt, actually. 
you're right, I do. But it's long sleeve and it's just too hot here to wear, yeah. wear that whale shirt. I'm wearing the ox. You're the ox. We have our season yeah. of the ox. Season of the ox shirt. Yeah. What about you? Well, well last week I wore the, the Big Cat Rescue for our sponsor. This week I'm going to wear the, the Bro Show shirt. So I got Season of the Tiger, www.bro.show shirt with the, the postage stamp on it. Very impressive. Always oh. gets a second look when I wear it. And wow. is a good yeah, this is a good ad. This is the billboard I should be wearing all the time in order to really pitch the show. Oh. So that's what I'm wearing. Do I need no, to no, 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 no. We just I think oh, okay. in fact it's a tough call as to which one's better though, the whale or the tiger. I like them both. So right. uh yeah. that's what I am wearing. Uh and so we have it a sponsor? all good. Yeah, we, we got sponsor? a sponsor, Big Cat Rescue. Big Cat Rescue Ooh. is one of the Ooh. more influential sanctuaries where it houses and puts their puts big cats, any lions, tigers, no bears, oh my, uh, into a you know, into their real life, you know, sanctuaries where they are able to uh you know to, to exist without the abuse that quite often comes with uh, with these animals. And they're also into they're leading advocates for the end of abuse of, of captive animals. Our five oh one C three, they've met the test of time being established in nineteen ninety two. And they also have a lot of swag. They have oh. some good stuff oh. on their website that you can get of which we gravitate towards the T shirts. And they have a number of T shirts if I, I remember so it's all good. Yeah. And we recommend yeah, people going and get one of the T-shirts. You can get a ladies T-shirt, a man's T-shirt, different size, shapes, uh, different, different messages, on, messages on them. So it's all good. It is all so good. That's our yeah. We, yeah. We got links in the show notes so you can see their T-shirts. You can make a donation. You can find out more about the organization, which my brother, John, thoroughly researched. He's been doing accounting for nonprofits for 50 years. 30 years, 40 yep. years. Recently retired, 50, 50 years of accounting. Absolutely. Wow. That is enough. All right, sir. Quite often we take uh, movies, but this time what we're going to do is we're going to take a song. And I would say this is probably the second most popular Tiger song ever written. The first one being Tiger Rag. We'll do a show on that some other time. You know, Hold That Tiger? Yeah. Hold that tiger. Hold that tiger. <laughs> we might have actually played that song. We did play that song, and you played the trombone on it. You did the... Yeah. That was my, 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 my start with becoming a personality. That's for sure. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> okay. So here's what we're talking about. Let's get down to the deeds. I, the Tiger right. is a song that came out in May of 1982. It's a, it's a rock, a heavy beat rock song. And that song was uh, played by a group called Survivor. Uh, Survivor is was formed in the in the late seventies. It's a it's a Chicago local Chicago band that by the about by nineteen eighty it had uh, it, it finally uh, had its first record contract and had made several albums. It's actually formed. The group is formed by Jim Pedrick, who's a uh, an, is he was born in Berwyn, went to Morton West High School with my wonderful wife. Marge, she was one of his classmates, Ooh. and I've had an opportunity to reach uh, reach out to Jim and talk to him several times. He's a good guy. So here we are. They've done three albums. The second album they did was had a song on it called "Poor Man's Son," and it was uh, it caught the eye, uh, the ear of a certain movie star by the name of Sylvester Stallone. 
So what happened was that uh, Sylvester Stallone was making – just put in the can, finished up Rocky Three, and was all set to close to being able to release it except for one thing happened. What? They had their theme song. was going to be a song that was uh, – they came yeah. out by a group called Queen. Uh, another one bites the dust. They thought they That's had right. it made except they ran into negotiations with Queen with respect to the use of the song. Uh, things broke up, and all of a sudden, Jim Peterick gets a call from Sylvester Stallone and says, Hey, Jim, this is Sly. Give me a call back. I need your help. And sure enough, he said, I need a song like you did on another album. And and so what they, they says, I'm going to send over the demo, the the movie, the uh, the clip from which, you know, the, the beginning of the of the movie. So you can see exactly what I'm talking about. Jim Peterick didn't know that that Queen had kind of bailed on him. So Jim listened to the what he was given and says, by the way, uh, Sly, you've already got the song. We can't top that one. He says, yeah, well, you're going to have to because, you see, Queen just bailed on me. So sure enough, Ooh. they got the whole movie. They saw enough, and they still needed to be inspired. And there's a, there is several times Burgess Meredith playing the boxing coach, the guy, the, the second in the ring, uses the words, eye of the tiger. You don't have the eye of the tiger. Says that to, to Sylvester Stallone in the, in the Rocky in the movie, yeah. so yeah. that inspired him. And with, within 24 hours, they have the, they have it. And so, as wow. a result, it, this it, just a few deets on it. Uh, the, the 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 song uh, number one on Billboard for six weeks, number one on UK charts for four weeks, certified platinum, uh, was uh, won a Grammy for Best Performance, and was also nominated for a Best Song uh, of the Year in the, for the Academy Awards. So it's got a great background. Uh, it, it's kind of an interesting, if you take a look now, uh, as much as Peterick, uh, it's, you know, the best of uh, best of times, worst of times for Jim Peterick, it was actually both. He had, you know, had written the song, did all this and that, whatever, but he had actually, at this point in his career, the performers in the group had actually he he ended up being a uh, guitar player and singer. He ended up doing keyboards with no with no vocals. <laughs> By the time they made this song, he, uh, he wow. had decided yeah he had and he was a little bit uh, disappointed in the way that the the, uh, the the group Survivor evolved. And he is uh, so if you look up Survivor on a weekend, you're gonna say where's Peterick? Well, he's in the past members. <laughs> Ooh. But I think it's a great song. It's one that you hear a lot uh, played at sports events. Yeah. So it, it's it's a it's a big tune, so I think it's uh, worthy of uh, of mention and, and having on the show the, that song. So that's it. Wow, that's a great Tiger story. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. We got a word too, though. We have the word pivotal, and yeah. as we take a look at this word, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to fit very well into our uh, our two takes. But let's p i v o t a l pivotal. A vital mm. or critical import, a vital or critical importance, a pivotal event, sort of a turning point. Turning point. Another way. Yes. So, uh, tell me or, something, John. Tell me something. In or uh, I have heard this term in basketball that uh, a player has a pivot foot. He might may not change or move his pivot foot, otherwise he's called for oh, for traveling. traveling. Yeah, this is the one foot that you establish as like kind of your anchor, and uh, you can move the other foot around. And if you are going to move your pivot foot, you better be dribbling or better pass the ball because once you move that foot after you've moved your other one, uh, yeah. you'll be called for traveling. So very good uh, use of uh-huh. the word, and it kind of demonstrates the that pivotal has to do with movement, turn, the turning point in a certain. 
you know, direction, event, direction, this and that, whatever. Yeah. So, so it doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be physical, physics or no. physiology. It can be psychological or mental or even emotional or even historic. Does that seem right? That seems true. I mean, we've, we've got a lot of historic events that there's pivotal events that take place as the as this uh, historic uh, thing takes place. And, yeah, that's all part of it. So you've got down in the example voter suppression attempts must be remedied before the pivotal election. So, mm. uh, yeah, we're, we're looking mm. on pivotal a lot. It seems like a lot yeah, of things we are. are becoming pivotal. Yeah, so like everything's uh, becoming pivotal. I can maybe get overwhelmed you can, by these pivots. Give you a chance to uh, to to go to the source you came up because I'm going to give you credit for this word. So why don't you run through the source with it? <laughs> <laughs> I said you are, that one, did I? I'm a you bad did. Boy. You are you're really messing with me here. Okay. <laughs> yes, the excerpt my brother just read came from a source. <laughs> You're cracking me up. I can't believe you did this to me. Okay, yeah, the source was following people. Belinda Gates, Ai-Jen Poo, and nine more women uh, on what the 19th Amendment's uh, 100th anniversary means to them. Okay, this was an article that was done in Fortune 2020, August 18th. I got through that read, John. You did, and you know what? It's got to be it's got to be good stuff because it came from Fortune magazine. That's a, this is the high road. So, as much okay. as we might, you know, uh, dump on the mm. one of the names, uh, yeah. I think it's important for us to keep the show going. Did you just say that out loud? <laughs> oh man, I'm a bad. You know, boy. you are. People have to pay attention to notice how bad you are. But you are bad, oh. bad boy, bad brother. All right. So I think so, we've got the ball teed up. We talked about Pivotal, yeah. I had the Tiger, pivotal. the whole thing. I think it's the perfect time to talk about Bill Russell. Yes, Bill Russell is our topic uh, over the past week. Uh, Bill passed away at the age of 88, uh, an icon in many ways, primarily known for his basketball prowess. Uh, Bill uh, was, I guess if you want the, the super highlights, uh, this man uh, was made for winning. He had a great yeah. uh, competitive nature to him, and he was able to impart that with his to his teammates also. So, in uh, in 13 years, he won 11 NBA championships. Uh, most of the time, as a player, several of those championships were not only as a player but also as the coach. So, where do we start yeah. with Bill? Yeah, Bill yeah. was born in Louis, uh, Louisiana, and yeah. he then West quickly Monroe. moved his yeah, West yeah, Monroe. He, yeah. he, Quickly, they moved, uh, as he's very young, uh, to Oakland, and mm-hmm. that's where he was uh, raised. And he went to a school, uh, a high school that was known as the the, uh, the high school of champions. Uh, and it mm. it didn't, and it, it it lived up to that title. Uh, yeah. From 1950 to 53, the name of the school was McClymonds M C C Y C L Y M O N D S, and among his teammates. Basketball teammate, Frank mm-hmm. Robinson, who's also a very good baseball, oh. Hall of Fame baseball player, who became the first uh, black to uh, uh, manage a major league club. Another wow. one of his uh, teammates, uh, classmates, who wasn't on the basketball team, was Kurt Flood. Kurt Flood, of course, known oh. for being on the on the front front end with his uh, suing baseball, 
so that he could perhaps become a free agent. But he's considered the forerunner to setting the, the tone for baseball ball players being able to take free agency and, and make that work mm. to them, to their advantage monetarily. Yeah. Uh, so w- w- what about Bill? Well, Bill went from high school all the way to, uh, he, not very far, went to San Francisco. He only had one one school that was interested in giving him a scholarship to the University of San Francisco. Bill, the reason is because Bill's contribution to the club wasn't that obvious to any team he played for. Bill was not usually the top scorer on his team. Bill was known for rebounding and for defense. He was six yeah. foot nine. He always he was was a center, but he was kind of lean, wasn't, and he had a, a, a amazing jumping ability. But what he learned very quickly from his his mentor in in high school, his coach uh, George uh, P O W L E S George Poles, he know, uh, learned from him that the importance to becoming a good defensive player is not to jump too soon. So quite often, since he's six foot nine, had a pretty good reach. He could just stay to that last second before he had to to react to a player shooting. He took the University of San Francisco, not what you call a household name in college baseball, to two NCAA basketball championships. One of those was uh, 1955. The other was 1956. So here we are. We we come to the what I would call the pivotal event for Bill. Bill. Uh, and what happened was leading up to the, the pivotal day is in April 30th, 1956. And, um, up to this point between college and going, uh, and getting an opportunity to go pro, Bill played on the Olympic basketball team along with his, uh, teammate Casey Jones. And they also won the Olympic championship. That was before, uh, mm-hmm. pro players were allowed, uh, to play in, in the, the, the pro basketball players were allowed to play in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. On April 30th, uh, Boston realized that they had a team that was centered around offense, the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And they had always finished, they were like a second class citizen. They always finished second, never winning the championship. And their coach, Red Arbach, saw in Bill the missing link that was, that they needed in order to make their team a champion. So the problem was that uh, Boston also had their eyes on a player in the Boston area and drafted him first by the name of Tommy Heinsohn, who became a star and also later a coach and a Hall of Famer. Mm. And so that left them high and dry in the first round, unable to then uh, to, 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 to get that, that coveted uh, uh, number two spot on the draft to get Bill. So the number two spot uh, on the draft was held by the St. Louis Hawks. And the St. Louis Hawks had a need uh, for a, 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 a some base, some basketball player. They were looking at Easy Ed McCauley, who happened to be the star on the Celtics. And so they engineered this trade between Boston and, um, and, the, and the St. Louis Hawks, Louis. in which yeah. Bill came over, uh, came over to the Boston. So here's what happened. Number one draft is, uh, draft choice was, was by Rochester, who didn't need a center. They picked another guy. So number two comes up. Ben Kerner of the St. Louis Hawks, uh, the owner of him, picks uh, Bill and immediately trades him to the Boston Celtics. I remember this as a kid thinking, gee, if we would have only kept him. Well, it's not quite that simple because you no, see Bill did not want to play in St. Louis. St. Louis was considered a – I would call it a – it was just known for being kind of segregated and, and not having a good attitude. 
but a little I backward, think little backward. yeah, backwards. But I think even more important for uh, for Bill was the fact he was able to look at the team, the Celtics, and realize with Red Arbach as as a coach and somebody wanted them so bad, and realize how he fit into the into the Celtics. He saw a person, he saw a team that he could help, and the rest was was history. Uh, incredible, yeah. Because I mean, from that point on, they, they only two years did they not win the championship. So I mean, they had a dynasty. You know, when you hear about you know team uh, dynasties, this is a classic example of one in, in professional sports. It is. With, so uh, that's the kind of the details in terms of his playing career, Bill. Uh, but he also has another side of him which you don't hear yeah. a lot about, and that is. This the civil the civil right activist Bill had a very was a very private person. He had very strict principles and values. So he 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 believed friendship was based upon being on the same page as an individual rather than just having a working relationship. Um, he was very adamant about uh, Boston was no, not a walk in the park compared to St. Louis. It also had its racial issues. It was the last, yeah. uh, when it comes to sports, they were, the Boston Red Sox were the last team to have a black ball player. So you can see that they weren't, uh, they weren't uh, leading the, the parade when it comes to civil rights. Uh, yeah. And Bill was fully aware of that. And he was one to make, uh, to, to, to voice his opinion as to how he felt about Boston as a city, not to be confused with Boston Celtics as a team. Yeah. Um, I think a couple things I'll just uh, mention, and you can chime in. And number one sure. is that uh, Bill, uh, I one of the things I, or when he passed away, you know, stories come out in terms of it. And one of the one of these uh, fellows who, uh, who was a big time uh, sports writer, uh, started the National Sports uh, uh, Daily, was named Frank DeFord. Said he had a conversation once with Bill, and he was he thought he was got along with Bill very well. And Bill said to him, he says, uh, I can never be your friend. He says, what? He says, you know, we don't agree on the same page. We, we, we get along and we have a good professional relationship, but I just can't be your friend. He says, I, it's at that point, he says, I really understood how he valued friendship. Bill mm-hmm. felt it was a very, very special relationship. This was not a casual thing to him. Wow. So I thought that was important. Bill participated in the 1963 March to Washington. The Martin Luther, I had a dream speech was given. Martin Luther King, uh, yeah. He was, yeah, he was invited to, to, to be there. He was a part of the march. Martin Luther King asked him to get and uh, to sit uh, as part of the, the speakers uh, on the, on the, in the front end of, of the, of this. Mm-hmm. And Bill refused to do it. He says, I don't belong up there. The people who worked hard over this past year, I was invited. They're the ones who should get the credit. I shouldn't be up there. Thanks, but wow. thanks. Wow. So, wow. That's the kind of guy he was. He was a stand-up guy. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I really, I enjoyed reading about him, and I was saddened to hear of his passing this, this past week. And, you know, something occurred to me, John, in, in reviewing all the material we had. You know, he was easy to overlook because his strong suit was defense. Right. Right. That was his big thing. And he was the guy who decided at the time he started playing defense, he was trained to stand flat-footed so that you were had the ideal uh, situation to go in any right. direction. And so he, yeah, and he decided that was wrong. 
Now, it takes a lot to go against your coaches and, and the, the prevailing thinking of the times and change the way you play defense to being on, your, on your, the balls of your feet to be ready to jump and right. also knowing when to jump and when not to jump and all that stuff. So there's he made it into a real art, and he was the pioneer of modern-day defenses that we see all over the place now. And so it occurred to me, yeah, and it occurred to me that, you know, he's easy to overlook except by teammates. <laughs> teammates really understand it. Fans, not as much, you know, but they see the score and they hear people talk about him and they, we couldn't have done it without Russell, you know, because he had so many blocks, he had so many rebounds, you know, he had so many takeaways, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, that was his thing. And then I went to review what, what he did with civil rights and, you know, he played defense on civil rights also. He defended his position more vociferously and more loudly than anyone else. When something wasn't right, he was not afraid to say it. He would say yeah. it. You know, and he didn't do this to play offense. He did it to maintain his dignity and his integrity as a human being. And that's kind of how he left his mark. Uh, and, you know, with human beings, the civilization and the advancement of, of human rights is that he just wouldn't budge. He kept his position and, you know, let people know, just like he did with that sportscaster, that sports guy. Was he a sportscaster, the guy he had that talk He was a journalist. 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 He was, I, yeah. 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 He just made his position known and didn't budge. He's just that kind of guy. Did I tell yeah, you I might, saw him in the airport one time? Oh, Bill Russell? Yeah, and the team, uh, it was at a gate in the airport, and they were walking through. And I remember thinking at the time, this was in the 70s, I have never seen so many tall people yeah. in one place in my whole life. He was wow. really tall and lanky. Was he 6'10 yeah, well, or was he 6'9? It's interesting. I I would say he, he's listed as 6'10". But I think mm-hmm. he was listed a little bit taller than he actually was. I think he was uh-huh. six nine. That's that's and I, that's interesting. You bring that up. I was thinking about that this morning. Just the, as many times as I saw him play. Yeah, I I, I totally uh, agree about this whole thing with with the, the defense, et cetera. It, in fact, his rival, his arc rival, was Will Chamberlain. Yeah. Chamberlain always finished second in terms of of the of the uh, the results of the games. He never won he, the championships. He won a couple, but nowhere near what Bill did. And but where did he, what did he finish? He had more points. Yeah. And, you know, all the all the offensive stats were in Wilt's court, you know, in, in his favor. But yeah, they uh, were. Bill but Bill was always a winner. The other thing is you know, as much as we talk, you might think, well, this is a hardcore, stubborn, resolved individual. Bill mm. had one of the most unique, infectious laughs. If you ever heard Bill Russell laugh, yeah. you wouldn't forget it. Yeah. yeah. And so very high was a, so, Yeah. So if you were, if you were, you know, uh, in his, you know, his group and, and he got, got along with you very well, he was very easygoing and easy to get along with and quite, uh, you know, the, the enjoyable guy. So, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting, diverse uh, personality, et cetera. Yeah. Well, he will so, be missed. That's for sure. Yeah. Yes. An icon. All right, buddy. You ready for a couple of groaners? Yeah, hey, listen, I figured that we ought to, uh, I'm going to go to the, the uh, basketball portion of my uh, groaner vault and pull out a couple Ooh. of basketball groaners, okay? Uh, I think one of these might be an oldie but goodie, but let's go for it. 
Where is a basketball player's favorite place to eat? There's a basketball player's player's favorite place to eat. Uh, Also, maybe drink a cup of coffee, too. Oh, drink a cup of coffee. IHOP. Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll give you some partial on that one. I was thinking of Bill. Guy could jump. Yeah, hippity hop away. Oh, yeah, he could jump. That's the point. Yeah. He could, but I, you know, when he was, he, that was good. Jump. I like that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's, I, I'm going to, I've got two here and I'm going to, I have to make a quick decision as to which I'm going to give you. So here we go. All right. What do you call a selfish pig that plays basketball? What do you call a selfish pig? Pig that plays, that plays basketball. basketball. Oh. <sighs> I don't know. A boar? A ball? A ball hog? Ball hog. Ball hog. See, I got too sophisticated. <laughs> I called him boar. Yeah, you know, it's it's these are yeah, you know, I I I went for the low hanging fruit here, and you're 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 getting to the point where you need sophisticated uh, groaners. Uh, well, and these six were, years these of groaners. Were, yeah. So what can I say? 